the Ghost Goal Podcast. Champions League never disappoints as Manchester City's hopes of a first European Cup title came crashing to a close with a late flurry of goals from Real Madrid, who set themselves up for a Champions League final date with Liverpool later this month. Manchester City are going to look back to get back on the bike this weekend as they continue their Premier League title chase with a home game against Newcastle, while Liverpool will look to chase with the primetime kickoff on Saturday evening at home against Tottenham. There's obviously still plenty of races uh, from the top four race to the relegation battle to talk about, uh, as plenty of those teams will be in action uh, multiple times over the next week. But we're here to preview the weekend's Premier League fixtures. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 354. What did we just witness, Javier? And was it the greatest Champions League um, um, two-legged tie of all time? I mean, since the induction of the Champions League, it's got to, I mean, it, for me, it, it feels like, and I don't remember in my lifetime, there being a game, two games that were just as exciting as this one, and the quality of football, the saves, the drama, penalties. I mean, these, these two games had it all, and both times Real Madrid, you thought City had it in the bag, and Real Madrid came just they just don't go away. I I I was amazed when Rodrigo scored in the 89th minute. I thought, no, it can't happen again, can it? And then took it to extra time. They score again in extra time at the beginning and did the same thing they did against Chelsea. They just time wasted and shit housed their way to the final. So, you know, it, you really I mean everyone's saying, "Oh, this should this is going to be an easy final for Liverpool," but you can't you can't say that anymore with this Real team because they've shown that no matter who they're up against or what they're playing against or what the odds are, they've got the talent in that team to to come back. And yeah, I mean it's just unbelievable, Ty. Unbelievable, uh, what like a just feast of football that we we were able to watch in these last couple of uh, Champions League semifinals. Even 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 Unai yeah. Emery. I mean, we 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 don't have to talk much about the Liverpool one, but like they they came back. They were two nil up against Liverpool in that first half and. It looked like maybe there was going to be something crazy happening in that game, and then Liverpool put them to the sword in the second half. But just what what amazing Champions League ties we've had uh, been treated to these last few weeks. Yeah, I just want to say that there's a reason why certain footballing institutions have as many Champions League and league title successes as teams like Real Madrid and Liverpool do. And the reason it would be so impressive if uh, Pep Guardiola does end up ever winning the Champions League at Manchester City is because as much as people don't like to hear, like he's sort of building like a winning uh, tradition at Manchester City, that he does have all the money in the world, but you still have to overcome that hurdle that teams like Manch- like Real Madrid and Liverpool overcame two generations ago. Real Madrid won the first five Champions Leagues. They've got, what, like 12 now, 13? I might even be wrong on that, but that, uh, Liverpool have something like six, I think they have. Uh, I keep, like, the only reason I remember that is because Andrew always shares the, the gif of Jurgen Klopp just counting to six on when celebrating the last Champions League they won. So we've got like another meeting of just the two teams that I think next to AC Milan probably sum up the, the excellence in the Champions League coming later this month i mean we're obviously going to preview that one much later but it's it's going to be a hell of a game and you know as as highly uh favored as liverpool will likely be going into that final you can look at this manchester city 
these two legs against Manchester City and the two legs against Chelsea and PSG before that. And Liverpool fans should know that Real Madrid, they're not to be trifled with. Mbappe is definitely looking right now. And if he was thinking of re-signing with PSG, he's he's gone. I mean, he's going to go to Real Madrid if he can. He's going right. to he's going to he's going to want to go play with that team. I mean, the amount of young talent. You would assume so. Rodrigo, Vinicius. I mean, Benzema's the 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 best aging fine wine I've ever seen. You know, I mean, just what a team. Camavinga when he came on the pitch, he was just brilliant. Now, there's so much to talk about in that game, but I mean, just a colossal effort from Real Madrid and Manchester City. I mean, do we think that this is going to affect them now in the league? I mean, this 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 is a huge shitting the it's bed. It's very here. possible. It's very possible. And the only reason I bring that up is because the same thing happened to Chelsea a month ago. I like Chelsea were you know playing well. Uh, yeah, they lost the first leg of that game against Real Madrid, but as soon as Chelsea had that like frankly excellent and heroic effort at the Bernabeu to go up three nil and to just put their noses ahead of Real Madrid, they give away the two goals that end up putting them out, and we haven't really been the same in terms of like the overall team confidence and and work rate since. It's you know it's come and gone, but it's not been anywhere close to what it was before, and that. The, the dynamic of that of going out in that fashion just feels like your season's over. And, you know, the thing City obviously have working for them is their season is definitely not over. They're still right in the heat of a Premier League title race with Liverpool. But they've got a difficult Newcastle team coming to the Etihad this weekend. I know it's the last game of the weekend, but I wouldn't mind just hitting on it now to discuss this because they're going to play Newcastle on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Newcastle just lost at home to Liverpool 1-0 put up a valiant effort it's it, it, you would expect city to win obviously but this is a potential banana skin i just can't really I, no one could could really it, predict it looked, how it's going it to looked affect like city. guardiola had an eye on that newcastle game because he took off de bruyne and bernardo silva in like the 72nd minute and brought on or no it was walker it was walker and de bruyne that he walker brought off right injured, and he brought on and uh, zinchenko and fernandinho and, and city just kind of well he brought on he brought on Zinchenko and Gundogan in the 72nd, and then in the 78th, he took off Grealish, or sorry, took off Jesus for Grealish, and then in the 85th, he took off Riyad Mahrez for Fernandinho. So he was shutting up shop, and then those two late goals from Rodrigo obviously blow the game wide open and send it to extra time. Yeah, you ha- you have to criticize Pep for those. I, I don't, don't know the full extent as to why De Bruyne was taken off, but I can see what you mean, that he may have been looking to this Newcastle game, but... Manchester City hadn't even scored the the Riyad Mahrez goal yet when De Bruyne came off, so it's I, I can't really see a rationale for the thought press process of saying like okay we're one nil up we're one nil up overall in or one goal up overall in the tie, let's shut up shop and get ready for the weekend with twenty minutes to go at the Bernabeu like. If that was his thought process, that's a deeply flawed thought process, and that obviously came to fruition. So is that what you're saying? You, you think that happened? That he just yeah, thought, no, I oh, mean, I, can... I, I really think those substitutions changed the game for Manchester City and, and changed the look, especially bringing off their talisman in De Bruyne. I mean, unless there was some sort of injury or he was protecting De Bruyne, I, I don't know why he would have brought off their, their best player, you know, arguably over, over both ties. And yeah, I mean, I, I, this weekend at home against Newcastle, you got to think that they're going to have enough to win, but 
like we said, Newcastle have been on amazing form. They only lost 1-0 to, to Liverpool. We said it was going to be a close game. I know that was at St. James's Park, where they've been just unbelievable um, in the second half of the season, but they haven't been as good away from home. And hey man, they, they held us to like nil-nil until the 89th minute when Havertz scored that goal. So I wouldn't put it past them. Like that Eddie Howe, I know he's not he doesn't have a reputation as a, you know, defensive manager who can set a team up well to defend, but he's building something like that recently, especially against the top teams. They they do set themselves up like very well in a, like Bruno, a medium Bruno to Bruno Guimaraes has been an absolute monster revelation yeah, for this he, Newcastle team in these last few games, not only scoring goals, but just, you know, dictating the pace in midfield and I'm going to be really curious to see how he does against a top C against top team against Manchester City. Yeah, well, in that Liverpool game, he was toying with uh, Liverpool's press at times. And Liverpool had rotated a little bit because of the Champions League. But, you know, it was still a pretty strong team. And they were trying to press Newcastle and, you know, had some success. But Gimaraes, he, he looks like the ideal sort of like, like Lynch piece to build player. to build the to build the team around. Absolutely. What a, what a signing that was um, from Newcastle and, and Eddie Howe. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this is going to be a hard one. I'm, I'm going to say one nil city. And like just like with the Liverpool game, I think it's going to go down to the wire and city fans will be shitting themselves before a maybe late goal comes in and. Newcastle will will defend their asses off in this. I mean, I I know that they're going to want to play spoiler. They they've done it before. You know, they've done it before back in that season when they got relegated. Uh, I remember they beat Tottenham five one on the last day of the season when Tottenham were supposed to finish in second place and then they they ended up finishing third because they they got destroyed. The, uh, by the, a, Le- a, the Leicester league, yeah, uh, when Leicester season. won the league, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I know that was a long time ago. It's a completely different Newcastle team, but. Yeah, Newcastle have a have a whole different spirit, whole different energy and vibe around the club. So, I'm I'm gonna say there's a little bit of a, of a Champions League hangover and and one nil to Man City here. I'll say two one Manchester City. I'm just basically trying to make the point that even though Liverpool play a you know a decidedly better Tottenham team this weekend, I think there's just as much chance that Manchester City drop points as well. Speaking of that Liverpool game, let's let's just hit on that right away since that is like the you know, the primetime game of the weekend. That's going to be a rare Saturday, 2.45 p.m. kickoff. Uh, there's no 7 a.m. game on uh, Saturday this week, but instead they'll be kicking off at, you know, 7.45, close to 8 p.m. in England on a Saturday. That's going to be a huge game. And unlike Manchester City, Liverpool are coming off a second leg victory in Spain to get to the Champions League final. They beat Villarreal 3-2 after a scare in the first half when they went down 2-0 and surrendered their lead. Do you think there's any sort of uh, overlooking of Tottenham? Or do you think, you know, I I think at this point with Antonio Conte and Tottenham, people are maybe not fearful of them, but they do respect the threat that Tottenham carry. So, Well, before this last 2-2 draw earlier in the season, which was you know kind of a crazy draw that um, Liverpool had really had Tottenham's number, beating them just numerous times in, the row, in a row in the Champions League and done back-to-back doubles in the last couple of seasons over them. So I, I kind of think that that draw was a little bit of a fluke. Wasn't that, that was like one of Antonio Conte's first games, right? Yeah, it was back in December or November. And then they were still trying to figure it out. Yeah, he was still playing, you know, players like Deli Ali and Davidson Sanchez in his lineup. And I mean, Liverpool didn't have Luis Diaz yet. So I don't know. This game is going to be crazy. Obviously, Tottenham have to win it or get some, at least a draw. Because, you know, Arsenal have leads at the weekend, 
I mean, we, we don't know because Arsenal lost against Southampton, Brighton. And uh, I mean, it, they're going to be the ones who are, you know, if they lose this game, a lot of the pressure is, I'm not going to say off Arsenal, but, you know, it's, it's, it, they need to get some sort of result to keep the pressure on Arsenal and to keep, like, keep, keep, keep us sweating, you know, keep us not knowing what's going to happen and, and keep the, keep the race on. I mean, Son scored two insane goals um, with his left foot in that in that game. This is um, a game. Yeah, I think he. It's the first time uh, in in like seven or eight years that a player scored uh, double digit goals in the league with their quote unquote weaker foot. I mean, we've been talking about players like Mohamed Salah and like and Kareem Benzema as being you know the best players on the planet. I hate to say Don't it, say but like, Son. I, I mean, Son's up there. I'm not going to say he's the best, but yeah, he's but, been okay, unbelievable but, this season. I think he has 19 goals in the to, Premier League. Th- that's disrespectful to players that are actually competing for trophies. You know, like. All right, that's fair, but this is this is a sh- this is not a good Tottenham side, and and as good as like Harry Kane has been creatively, Son has just been the one of the most clinical and, and best players in the Premier League this season. Um, but I do need to say. That that Leicester game, they won three one, but early on, Leicester hit the post. Loris had to make a couple big saves, yeah. and we were saying yeah. it like Tottenham don't control these games. I mean, even they went up they went up one nil in the twenty second minute, but there was a good period of time in that the beginning of that second half where Leicester were pushing them, and I mean Leicester ended up with sixty percent possession at the end of the game. I mean three one was probably around like the right scoreline, but. They never looked assured, you know, until they went up 3-0, it, it didn't look like Tottenham were definitely going to win that game. And that was against a Leicester team that, let's face it, they're, they're just focused on on that conference league and, and maybe making Europa next season through that because there's there's no chance of them doing anything in the league. So, I mean, their lineup was very, very weakened. you got to think Liverpool have enough to, to put Tottenham to the sword here. I mean, Liverpool are just an unbelievable form. They didn't have to... I mean, I know that they had a scare, like you said, against Villarreal this weekend, but defensively, Tottenham, they're just going to sit back in this game. And if Leicester had 60% possession against Tottenham, like Liverpool are going to have 65 70%. And I just, I don't know how this Tottenham side, other than, you know, a crazy couple crazy counterattacks with like, I'm sure he'll start. I mean, Kuliszewski didn't start at the weekend. Once he came on, he, he was brilliant. I'm sure they'll go back to that Kuliszewski, Son, Kane front three, and they're just going to try to play on the counterattack. But Joel Matip was. But they don't. Ha- they don't have the defensive players to ride their luck. They don't. and sit back at Anfield. Like it's one thing. I, I hate. I hate to be the Chelsea guy, even though I obviously am. But like when Chelsea went to Anfield, the stakes were very different. Way earlier in the season, I think the third game or something like that. Getting a draw at Anfield was like that was okay. We were down to ten men. We had to sit back defensively, but we're also you know we had we have the players to to do that with and you know. Still need a little bit of luck to, to you know get get the draw there. But if you need a win like Tottenham do, and let's face it, like they're going for top four, they need a win. They can't sit back and defend for ninety minutes. But Antonio Conte is one of the few managers that will try to win the game by sitting back defensively. And if they ride their luck and get really really lucky, they might have a chance. But outside of that. <laughs> Which I don't I think, see. I mean, I think their then, biggest weaknesses no, are the you know that their two main fullbacks are, are are pretty much still out for the season. You know, Regulon and Doherty, and they've been having to play Emerson Royale and Ryan Sessignon, who you know offensively they they look okay, 
but defensively, both of them just are just big liabilities. Not good enough to to defend ninety minutes against top top quality in the the front five of that Liverpool team, which they're obviously going to see all five of those players at some point in time. So, I'm. Um, they have improved though. Sesson Young and Royale under Conte, they like I'm, I'm, they, they've improved. It's I mean, I need I need terrible. a big Liverpool win here. I need I need. Tottenham to be put to the sword, and and I kind of think it's going to happen. For some reason, Matip keeps starting every game in the league, but Konate's been starting in the Champions League. Yeah, because Konate's been a beast in the Champions League. He's scored, like, a couple of goals in these last uh, few knockout rounds. So, so I mean, keep even him? defensively, like, Liverpool have depth, have, have just options at the back, options up top, options in midfield. I mean, Henderson did also didn't play. Like, they keep, you know, they have Nabi Keita on good form. I mean, the fact that Henderson, who's been brilliant every time he's played for them this season, isn't getting into the team. He was their player of the season, you know, one or two seasons ago. Just, just this Liverpool side just has way too much. And I've said it before, I, I don't know who can stop Liverpool right now. Um, and I, I sure as fuck hope it's not going to be Tottenham because randomly Tottenham have come up with results that we've never expected them to be able to get. But I just... I hope it's really not here. I don't think it's going to be. I, I, I do think Tottenham get a goal, though. You know, Human Son's playing way too well. You know, he's trying to put this team on his back. So I'm going to say 3-1 Liverpool. And I'm going to say that, you know, they, they sit back, maybe even Tottenham get a goal, like for the first goal possibly, and then just go into a defensive shell and try to hold on. But it's going to be too much at Anfield, and, and Liverpool are going are gonna to come breaking down the barricades. No, you know what? I'm going to say 2-1. I think it's going to be a close game. I think I think Tottenham are going to have a, a game plan to try to get something out of this. And uh, okay. yeah, I'll say 2-1 Liverpool. All right. Well, I was going to say 3-1. So yeah, I'll go 3-1 uh, instead, but a close 3-1. Let's rewind back to the beginning of the weekend. Uh, there's a four-game slate of 10 a.m. games. Brentford uh, hosting Southampton. Uh, Burnley hosting Aston Villa in their continued quest to stave off relegation. Burnley got a little uh, unlucky. I mean, they, they beat Watford last week, didn't slip up like I thought they would. Uh, came back in the last 10 minutes to grab two goals and, you know, for a, a day at least, jump like five points ahead of uh, Everton. Uh, but then obviously a game that we'll get to in a bit. Everton uh, won the next day uh against Chelsea to bring it back to a two-point lead. Dragging leads and down course, to... Right, dragging yeah, leads right back, back into, into the it. relegation Everton, race. I mean, everyone Everton else above them is in, safe. Like, Southampton yeah, and Everton Brentford. have a game yeah. in hand on both Burnley and Leeds. So it'll be interesting to see if they... And if they win that game, which is not a guarantee, but if they do, then they would jump ahead of Leeds and uh, just below uh, Burnley on goal difference. So still all to play for down in the relegation zone. Villa's season just seems like it's over, which is why I give Burnley like a chance in this. I know Villa finally got a, a win against Norwich, but that was, you know, that relegated Norwich. They're officially going down to the championship now. That was Villa's first like win in a while. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Burnley, you know, pull off yet another win. They're, they're doing amazingly under this uh, interim manager, Chris or Mike. Yeah, Mike three Jackson. straight wins. Uh, you know, they drew with West Ham before that. I, you know, I. Damn, yeah, you got to favor Burnley right now. You got to think that they're going to be the team that's going to stay up. We were talking about them trending up. You know, they've conceded only 46 goals. Leeds have conceded 72 goals, the most in the in the league, more than Watford and Norwich. Which, I mean, I know Jesse Marsh, we were talking about how he he'd done a great job. You know, he turned this team around. They were unbeaten in five. And we thought maybe they were going to give City some sort of game. But then they got spanked 4-0 and... 
it wasn't even like the full city team. They they rested half of their team. So, I, I mean, I'm 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 kind of favoring Burnley right now, and I think they can get a result here too. I mean, Philip, they're at home. At Turf Moor, I think they get a win here and just... Everton are going to be fucking shitting themselves because if one more win from Burnley, it, it, it's going to be very bleak right now for Everton. It's, it, it, it is still in their hands because they have that game in hand, right? It's not just about Everton and, and Burnley It's about Leeds anymore. now, Because too, of yeah. Leeds' schedule, because Leeds have this away Arsenal game over the weekend, home Chelsea in midweek next week, and then, just one sec, let me uh, peep the rest of their games. I think they have... Uh, Brighton at home and Brentford away to finish off the season. So, uh, you know, two winnable games to end the season for Leeds, but th- these two games and obviously the, you know, City game you just mentioned that they got piped in, it's uh, a lot of it is about momentum and belief. And I'm sure Leeds' belief is not really anywhere near to as close to as positive as Burnley's is right now. Burnley are on a great run of form in the and league. And they don't really have that They've many hard won games their last left. Three. Yeah. So. We'll see. I, uh, I I think Burnley will win this 1-0. And I, I have to give a shout out to two players I uh, personally feel a connection with in this Burnley team that have changed things. One of them is Nathan Collins, the uh, Irish center back who's turned into a like a, a great partner for, uh, for Tarkovsky at the back. Uh, he's replaced Ben Mee, who has essentially become an assistant coach since Sean Dykes went away. And, you know, every he seems to be doing a good job. I'm not sure if it's because he's injured or something, but he hasn't been playing. Collins has instead, and he's been doing a great job from what I've seen. And then the second player is Jack Cork in midfield, the former Chelsea Academy graduate. He was like after being like one of the favorites of Sean Dykes for years at Burnley. He was just out of the team for most of this season. Sean Dyche gets the sack. Jack Court comes back into the team, and he's the one who scores the uh, the tying goal against Watford over the weekend in the 83rd minute. Uh, he, I mean, obviously, he's been doing his main job, like the defensive midfielder job, very well also. But to help drag Burnley back out from losing at Watford to turning it around to win the game, that's happy to see him back and having a, a good impact. Good for Jack Cork. I think I, I don't know, know if Burnley win this one. game say, because uh, I do think should, Aston though. Villa. I, I mean, I I, I I would trust them to to do this, but I think Aston Villa. You know, they're going to want to finish out the season strong. Right now, they're they're only on forty points. Like you said, they they've really had a kind of terrible run of it of recently, and you kind of thought that they were going to be finishing in like the mid fifty points, the way that they were playing earlier in the season, some of the signings that they've made, and you know, Danny Ings and and Ollie Watkins, you know, finding goals again. I, I can see them, you know, putting up a good fight here and, and maybe getting like a draw. So I'm going to say 1-1 one, one on this one. Um, and, you know, which would still be a good result for Burnley. Another point would get would get them, you know, just that much closer to, to safety. And I think they need probably four, four, maybe five points to be completely safe. 40 points is obviously like the, yeah, I, the, the I benchmark guess, I guess you're of right. safe, but... I guess you're right. Because of their goal difference and the horrible goal difference of Leeds and to some extent, Everton. It's like that that classic saying of if you you have the advantage in goal difference, that's like worth an extra point. So if they get a point here against Villa, then even if Everton won against Leicester the next day, they'd still be behind Burnley on uh, goal difference. So yeah, I, I'm going to say two one Burnley. Uh, they're, they're still I think think they're still riding that wave in Villa. I mean, Burnley win that, they're going to be you know, effectively safe almost. I mean, I know that they've they've got Tottenham after that, but then they've got a couple fairly 
you know, easily winnable games in uh, Brighton and Newcastle to finish out the season. So that would be a huge win for them. I don't know if they're going to do it, but that would be amazing if they just get another win here. Because I think we, you said it on the last pod. They had like one win in January. And I mean, it looked so bleak for them that the fact they've got seven wins now and they've just been coming back, storming back these last few games. Just very, very impressive from Burnley. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep it up. And I think this Villa side are going to have to try to keep finish out the season strong. And, you know, just it, it, they need a couple of wins and they'll, you know, go rocket up the table, could even finish in the, the second half of the table, which, you know, for teams in, in, in that area, it's, it's still important. I mean, it's a few million dollars every single place you go up in the Premier League in terms of prize money or whatever. And, you know, if you finish in the top half of the table, I'm sure it's going to be easier for you to, to attract players over the summer. So... I'm going to say 1-1 in this one, and and yeah, I think it's going to be a nervy game for, for Burnley. Okay, I'll say 2-1 Burnley. Saturday at 10 a.m., also Crystal Palace hosting Watford. Uh, kind of a dead rubber at this point. Watford are all but relegated, yeah, and Palace relegated. are firmly mid-table. Uh, and then the other somewhat meaningful game will be Chelsea hosting Wolves, also during that 10 a.m. time slot. What did I tell you, Javier? The best we could hope for, Chelsea could have hoped for from those two games at Ever- or at Man United and at Everton was two draws. Well, now you've been dragged back a- into top four race, Alex. No, we haven't. We really haven't. We've we've been over this. You you keep trying to make that happen. If we if we lose to Wolves, uh, I'll agree with you. I still won't think okay, we're going to not get so top four. So you're literally one game away from being dragged into the top four race because I mean I know honestly, Tottenham right now. They would have to yeah, beat but, Liverpool. We would have to beat Leeds, and you would have to lose to, against Wolves but, for that but it's, to happen. Javier, but it's, it's one. It's one thing for you to be to try to troll me and be like, "Oh, Arsenal, we're going to finish ahead of you," and then it's another thing to be like, "Oh, both Arsenal and Tottenham are going to finish ahead of you." No, I know that's, <laughs> you know? that's yeah. So. No, I know that's like super unrealistic. You guys basically need four more points from these last four games to to stay, to get Champions League. So, I think I think, I think you're going to do it. But Chelsea have been shitting themselves since that Champions League loss. And you guys have just looked not at it at all in terms of your finishing. I mean, Lukaku, this whole fiasco of he wants to leave. He, he's not, he, he didn't even get on the pitch against Crystal Palace or no, against Everton, his old team. People were saying, like, hey, you know, of course you got to try to play him. The conversation I don't think really should be about Lukaku at this point. I think it just needs to be the overall commitment of the team. And as vague as that sounds, when you watch Chelsea ever since, like you said, dropping out of the the Champions League, just like in the middle of that uh, Champions League quarterfinal with Real Madrid, we had the 6-0 win at Southampton, who admittedly were terrible and on the beach themselves. But that was the kind of commitment from a Chelsea team that I've been like used to seeing for most of this season. And those United and Everton games, we haven't won at Everton since we won the league in 2017. We haven't won at United since 2013. Alex Ferguson's last season. Those are two games that, yeah, if we were like like in a league title chase and we had to go to United and Everton and get like four points out of those two games, I would think we could do it. But with nothing really going on, nothing really to gain in the league this season, it was very easy to predict that the best we could do from those two games was two points. And we ended up with one. Also, I do feel and like you guys have a little bit of unfinished business with Wolves in terms of like... You know, Wolves, that nil-nil earlier in the season, you were COVID-racked, and you guys were still kind of in the, you were still in the title race at that point, you know, near the top of the table, and that Wolves nil-nil draw kind of derailed your your title ambitions at that point in the season. 
Um, and I know Chelsea fans and Tuchel was was not happy that you guys even had to play that game. So I feel like you guys do yeah, have a had, little bit of unfinished business with uh, with Wolves. We, we had twelve co- positive COVID t- uh, cases uh, in the days leading up to that Wolves away game, and that was among the players and like coaching staff, so people involved with the team. So it wasn't all players in that twelve, but it was about like four or five players who couldn't play in that game. We still got a nil-nil draw at Molyneux. It, that was I was just kind of happy to get that one out of the way at the time. This one, before you invoke Charity FC, which, you know, I've, I have I put my hands up last week and said we're going to be Charity FC again. I predicted it. I, I don't think that's going to be the case this week because Charity FC is only reserved for those teams that need the charity. Think of Arsenal. Think of Everton. Like the two wins we gave to... Everton and Arsenal should be you know, put it, pulling their money to send Chelsea a gift basket. Oh, we're sending like, you some flowers. Don't baskets. worry. You're going to get some flowers, yeah. especially if we make top four this season. We'll, we'll send yeah, you exactly. a nice gift basket. That, Wolves have nothing to gain from this. They're just playing out to the end of the season. And, you know, <laughs> a 3-0 loss at home to Brighton is in the last week. It was There's no better example of that. Yeah. No. I Do think- I think it's going to be tough? Yeah. But I think we'll win it 1-0. Yeah, I was about to say one one nil or two nil Chelsea. I do think defensively, you guys have been kind of suspect these last couple of games. Um, I mean, I know the Everton game, but Everton could have even been up two nil at one point. So, do you mean do you mean the United and Everton games? Yeah, you guys were not. I, I don't think. We, okay, we were suspect defensively in that we made two mistakes that led to two goals that. Like, and you also made, other, what, like, four mistakes against Arsenal, too? So, like, there's been there's been now, like, a string of errors yeah, in three games in the a Arsenal row. Game, the Arsenal game, we were, like, it was similar to the Brentford game, where our defense was just completely disorganized and giving away the ball and give, leaving way too many spaces, like, just when we turned the ball over. The Everton and Manchester United games, they hardly created shit. Like both teams, like yeah, no, I'm and not I saying, think oh, yeah, and we should have won the games, to me but like we the weren't pod. bad defensively either. You were saying to me before the pod, like these players need to get their shit together if they want to go play in that FA Cup final. So right, there's that's definitely a, some motivation reason, to like reason. get back on form, secure top four, and make this end of the season, you know, be a good finish for Chelsea and not be nervy at all in the league. So I think I agree with you. I think Chelsea get get a get a squeak by a, a win here, and I'm going to say two one Chelsea. Okay, Saturday at 12.30 p.m., uh, Brighton will host Manchester United, another dead rubber of sorts. Uh, do you want to take some time now to talk about, I think we said last week we'd talk about uh, Manchester United. It, it, they announced, I think, two weeks ago now that Eric Ten Hag uh, of Ajax will be taking over as the uh, head coach starting next season. Definitely an uh, exciting appointment. I mean, I would have absolutely taken him on Arsenal at any point, you know, I, I probably fire Arteta right now and take Ten Hag if I could. So I mean, that's that's definitely one of the up and coming coaches in the world that people have been talking about. You know, let's see him how he's going to do at a big club. You know, this is definitely not the type of vein of manager that United have been signing up till this point. You know, managers like Van Gaal and, and Mourinho were sort of not dinosaurs, but, you know, were just very well renowned and big reputation with a lot of trophies Ten Hag is a young, you know, up and coming manager that's been killing it on Ajax. He's not for a that few young. Years. He's in his he's in his fifties. People sure. think he's young, but. but okay, not young, but like young relatively to the scene of people knowing who he is. He, he looks young too. Like guy looks great for fifty two. He looks like he's I don't know in his late thirties or early forties, something like that. But but the job he's going to have to do is is massive, 
And it looks like Cristiano Ronaldo is probably going to still be on Manchester United this season, next season. So he's going to have to juggle a lot of things next season. Egos, a lot of players who he's going to have to move on. You know, this last week, just playing Juan Mata in midfield against Brentford, as soon as I saw Mata playing, I was like, oh, United are going to win this. Because, like, for once they had a creative spark, a player who could beat the press, who could hold possession and kind of organize offensively for them. You would have thought a player like Donny Van de Beek would be that type of player. I mean, maybe Ten Hag's going to be the player to resurrect his career. He, he 100% is going to bring back Van de Beek and play him in that team. But, you know, there's Without there's a, a lot of question marks right now for United. A lot of players that are going to have to be moved on. Defensively, I mean, they're in shambles. They're going to need at least a, a center back, a couple of wing backs. They're going to need a midfielder. It looks like Pogba's gone. You know, just way more questions than answers right now at United. But it seems like Ten Hag's going to be... I think a big positive for them and something to build on, you know, something for United fans to look forward to next season. I think the biggest thing for them is at least getting Europa league. You know, if they finish below West Ham and they're in the conference league, it's going to be hard to convince Cristiano Ronaldo even to stay. I mean, I know he wants to play in the champions league next season, but like, come on, dude, you're, you're not, you're not winning the champions league with whatever team you go on next year. So I think he should just stay on United and try to bring them back to at least the Champions League next year. That would be like a big achievement for them. So exciting times for Manchester United. Um, This is going to be a hard test against Brighton, who have been fucking really good since that, you know, they beat Arsenal and drew Tottenham and, or sorry, beat Tottenham, beat Arsenal. Do we really care about this game? No, we don't. We don't. But I think it it can still be a fun game. I want to mention about Ten Hag. I'm not saying in any way that this is a guarantee that Ten Hag ends up being successful at Manchester United in all the ways United fans desire. But Ajax were on like a, a run of years in the Eredivisie where they hadn't won the league since 2014. And Eric Ten Hag was the one who turned that around, got them back to playing, you know, the Ajax, Johan Cruyff uh, style uh, possession football uh, that won them the league in 2018-19. Obviously, he was the main architect of that run to the Champions League semifinals, where they were, you know, a late winner by Lucas Moura away from being in the Champions League final themselves. It's not obviously not the same like level of job because obviously the world profile of Manchester United is so much greater than that of Ajax and the the, the microscope of attention and focus from people all around the world is is much greater at Manchester United than it would ever be at Ajax. But Ajax are you know the Manchester United of of Holland. They were uh, they weren't winning. It was PSV and Feyenoord that were winning the league title for multiple years in a row. Ten Hag was the one who got them back to winning ways. He's won two league titles there. The third one he should have won, but the league season got abandoned due to COVID. So I'll give him two and a half. And he had the Champions League run. And they're He's, probably going to win this if they, year. If, you know, so yeah, if they are patient enough. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to win it this year. If they're patient enough and they give him something close to the, the kind of backing setup that, that they, they gave, have at Ajax. Yeah, or the backing not, that they gave Mourinho backing. and Van it's, Gaal. It's, it's, yeah. It's everything at Ajax when it comes to, you know, Van der Sar, uh, unfortunately, what's his name? Uh, your boy, your Arsenal boy who got uh, fired for the sexual harassment thing. Over Mars. Over Mars, yeah. I mean, say what you want about the uh, the sexual harassment. That's obviously not great, deserved to be fired. But people before that were, you know, praising this entire Ajax, you know, technical staff that like helped build the team and negotiate transfers and, and, and plan all of that stuff. 
they're obviously a big reason or a big part of Ten Hag's success. And that's the biggest question that there's going to be at Manchester United. So I'm excited to see it. He's, uh, he's definitely, I think he's the right choice over Pochettino. I'll say that much. But for this Brighton game, I, I don't really care. 1-1, who gives a shit? Let's quickly hit on uh, Leicester hosting Everton. Uh, like we said during that Burnley uh, preview, this is also a uh, releg- uh, game that has huge implications on the relegation battle. I think despite Everton's terrible away form, and it is terrible, I don't think they have a win in the league uh, away from home uh, since Frank's been there. But I think the fact that Leicester are on the beach and truly do not give a shit since, like you mentioned, they're focused on the Conference League semifinal that they have with uh, Roma. I think Everton eked this one out. I think they win it 2-1. I think so too. I think so too, yeah. I'm backing Everton too. I think they've got the momentum right now. The fans are behind them. It feels like there's just like a wave of belief now after that Chelsea game. You know, they stayed celebrating with, with the with the Everton players for like 15 minutes after that game. So huge win for Everton against Chelsea. And I, I think so too. I think they, they squeak by this uh, Leicester team who are going to be focusing on their, their conference league game tomorrow. So I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to say 1-0 Everton. And... Uh, yeah, just squeak it by, squeak it by here. Even even a draw wouldn't be the worst result, but they obviously need a win here. They need Jordan Pickford to continue uh, that whatever crazy, the hell it was that he was doing crazy against Chelsea. Performance against Chelsea, yeah. Ugh, fuck that guy. Just becomes Peter Shilton when he plays against us. Meanwhile, he's palming the ball onto his own crossbar when he fo- faces Liverpool. Can't stand the guy. Uh, yet yeah, Norwich, uh, the final game of the weekend that we're going to mention is Norwich hosting uh, West Ham. Uh, West Ham are also focused on their Europa League semifinal. They're trailing Eintracht Frankfurt and will have played the second leg by the time this uh, Norwich game happens. Well, we, could, we could talk so, a little bit about the Arsenal leads, Alex. I mean, do you think Leeds have any chance here? I, I completely skipped over that one. It's all right. I don't. We don't need to talk too much <laughs> I about. I have no them. idea why I did. No, it's I all right. Have no idea why we I can, did. We can talk a little bit about it. it, it I mean, Arsenal just beat Chelsea, Manchester United, and West Ham, and lost to Southampton, Brighton, and Crystal Palace. So. By that trend, we're going to have trouble in this game because this is a game that we should be winning. The last three games were all games that we quote-unquote maybe should have dropped points or drawn. But momentum is with us. Three straight wins. We're finding goals somewhere. You know, whether it's a striker. Last game, it was Rob Holding and Gabrielle, our two center backs. And we really dug deep. I mean, in those last 30 minutes of that West Ham game, once we went up 2-1, West Ham didn't create anything. I mean, we just shut them down for those last 30 minutes. And I was shitting myself still, obviously, during that period. But we still had a couple of good chances to even make it 3-1. And I don't know. But I, just, I feel like the momentum is with Arsenal right now. And Leeds are going to be desperate as fuck. But they've conceded 72 goals. They're going to concede at least a couple of goals to us at the Emirates. Arsenal have been almost impeccable at the Emirates. I mean, there's been a few, you know, freak results like the... the Crystal Palace one or the but we've mostly just lost to like Liverpool and Chelsea there so I think we're going to have just enough to beat this this Leeds team I think Leeds are going to try to set up defensively and and play on the counterattack. and frankly Arsenal have been pretty good against those types of teams recently so unless Leeds really go at us like Brighton did and like Crystal Palace did I'm not going to give them too much of a of a prayer in this I'm going to say 3-1 Arsenal and if Arsenal win this game and Tottenham lose, we're going to be five points clear. North London Derby at that point, I mean, even a draw would be enough to pretty much secure top four at that point. So this is a massive, massive game for us. And we have to win this game. This is top four. This is top four, basically. Like, we have to win this game. So if Tottenham lose to Liverpool the day before, are you 
that upset if it's like a draw? Absolutely. We have to win this game. We have to. There's just no if, buts, or what's about it. And I, Yeah, I can see what you mean, especially like going into the North London Derby on Thursday. You know, you, you have the chance to like almost shut the door on Tottenham. Uh, yeah, okay. I see what you mean. Okay, I'll, I'm going to go 2-1 Arsenal win. I think it's going to be close though. Leeds are, you know, they're right in the thick of it now, like we mentioned. So 2-1 Arsenal. And yeah, let's close things out there. Javier, thanks for jumping on this one with me. If you guys want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can follow him at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMoss92. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostColePod. We're going to do a Sunday night or Sunday evening edition of the pod since there is a host of uh, midweek Premier League games next weekend that have you know ramifications on the league title and uh, relegation battle. Uh, and obviously the top four race, but that huge Tottenham Arsenal North London Derby on Thursday. So keep an eye out for that in your feeds uh, Monday morning. Enjoy the football this weekend, guys. And until next time, see you.